Good morning. Go ahead and turn over to Matthew chapter 1. Uh, today we're in part three of our Life App series, the things that make our life better, easier. They streamline all of our troubles. You know, we've talked about forgiveness, being happy. Now we're going to talk about connecting. Now, if you're in Matthew chapter 1, now you can turn one page to the left and be in Malachi chapter 4. I just figured it was easy to tell you to go to Matthew 1. Malachi chapter 4, the final two verses of the Old Testament, before there was silence from God's Word for almost 500 years. And God says, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. The final words of the Old Testament are words about connection. Connection between parents and their children. They said if there's a breakdown in the family, the land will be striked with a curse. And then there was silence for almost 500 years before John the Baptist comes on the scene and then Jesus' ministry and then Christianity. It was always a mandate of God to connect. God didn't create us with the purpose of being a lone ranger. God wants us connected to Him, and He wants us connected to each other. And that is the way that we function best. You know, I was doing a tune-up on our Chevy Trailblazer, and, you know, you think a tune-up is supposed to be easy. You know, you change your filters, and then you put in new spark plugs, and then you put everything back together the way it was before, and the car ran horribly. You know, when it's just sitting there parked, it's like chugging. Like, like, well, before I did this, the gas mileage was bad, but it ran smoothly. And go, wow, I'm really glad I upgraded. So I called uh, Brother Bird. I said, Tom, do you have a code scanner? And he goes, yes, I do. So we got the code scanner plugged in, and sure enough, it told us, Cylinder number one is misfiring. So we're like, okay, so we got a problem there. So we said, well, let's just switch the ignition coils of one and two and try it again and see if it goes to two. So we switch it. Everything works perfect. So there was a bad connection. And I was so thankful that everything got connected right because now it just purrs like a kitten. And now... It's up to 18 miles per gallon. Oh, yeah. It was down at 14, but now it's up to 18. You know, it's cranking on a 20-gallon tank. It's 80 more miles. So if you were only getting 14, that's an additional 5.5 gallons of gas that you're saving per tank full. So that's pretty good. 
You know, so if you're into cars, you go, oh, yeah, you know, and you do that tune-up and everything connects and it's running smoothly and it's just so awesome. You know, car doesn't run well when all the different components are isolated, when they don't speak to each other. You know, maybe you've ever added computer hardware and it doesn't talk to each other. The connection is not made. And the printer won't work. And the fax machine is not sending the signal. And you hear all the beeps and nothing is going on. And you're so frustrated because it's not connected. You know, sometimes it's just easier to think, oh, forget it. I don't want to go through the hassle of being connected. I'll just live on my own. I'll just be an emotional island. No one can touch me. I don't need anyone or anything. And I will function the rest of my life completely disconnected. Yeah, well, you're miserable and you know it. And no matter how many times you lie to the people around you and tell them you're happy, you're not. God created us to be connected. Go over to John chapter 17. Famous prayer that Jesus prayed. And he prays for himself, then he prays for his disciples. And when he's praying for his disciples, John 17, let's read verse 10 and 11. He says, all I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and the glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus said, it is my plan for my disciples to be connected. You know, right before he's going to die, right before he's going to be arrested, and he prays about himself, and then he says, okay, my children, my disciples, God, help them to be connected. And then he continues and he prays for you and I. And in verse 20, he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you're in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And then finally in verse 26, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. It's a prayer about connection. Jesus says, they need to be connected to you, and they need to be connected to each other. And that's what he prayed about. He's like, God, please facilitate this. Please work so that people are not an island. They're not out there on their own, that they're, they're connected to you. And that all the believers are connected to each other. Say, so what's Satan trying to do to isolate if you're isolated today, it's for one reason. Satan has accomplished exactly what he wanted. 
You say, well, I'm just wired that way. You know, I, I'm kind of a loner. As a high school kid, I would go camping by myself for a weekend. You know, not everyone wants to do that. You know, some people like to read books. You know, others feel like they're in jail if they're alone. But you know how you're wired? Is when life gets rough, what do you want to do then? You know, yes, yesterday was one of those days. I don't know how your day began. But early in the morning, I got a text from my mom. And usually the text comes if she tries to call and you don't pick up. But this was just a text. Call me. So you know it's not good. Well, they, they were on their way to Iowa City to the University of Iowa football game and got a phone call. And uh, my mom's mom, she's the last grand- grandparent that we have. She's 94. And she'd fallen about a week ago and cracked a couple ribs. So she's in pain from that, but recovering fine. But yesterday morning, she started bleeding out of her uh, nose and her mouth, and they didn't know why. Her blood pressure dropped, and they basically said, you need to get home now. Do not stop at home because her time is short. And so mom and dad uh, had to get in the car and drive straight there. You know, uh, Ottumwa, Iowa is a great city, but they have only one ears, nose, and throat surgeon. And he's out of town all weekend. So he doesn't come back till tomorrow. So 94-year-old grandmother is bleeding. They don't know why. They're trying to stop the bleeding. And the one specialist that knows what to do is out of town for the weekend. So all of a sudden, you're like, this could be it. So first thing I did told my wife, talked with her, then connected with Mike, then connected with my son who was home for the weekend. You know, and that's the way connections are. One of the first things I thought is, you know, we were planning on going home in June for Granny's 95th uh, birthday party. And you're like, well, am I going to get to see her? Should I, should I try and get home now? What's going to happen? You see, and you can think you're a loner until rough things happen. And then the true nature of how God has wired each one of us comes out. And God has created us to be connected to Him. And God has created us to be connected to one another. And we can put up a facade... And we can even lie to ourselves and say, I'm fine. Really, most of us isolate ourselves because we don't want to get hurt. Not because we don't want to be connected. We desperately want to be connected. We just don't want to risk being hurt. We talked about that a lot last week with forgiveness. But I ask you this morning, are you connected? I'm not saying, are you in close proximity of God and people, I'm saying, are you connected into the pipeline? Is there an energy flow? Is there a spirit flow? There's a difference between having 
just a friend and being connected. There's a difference between just saying a prayer once in a while, reading your Bible once in a while, and be connected with God. Say, are you connected this morning? We're going to talk about two things. The first is connecting with God. The second is connecting with people. Go over to Psalm 139. This is a prayer David prayed. He was connected with God. And we get some great insights about connecting with God. Look at what he says. Psalm 139, starting in verse 1. Oh, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I love verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you think God wants to be connected with you? It is so easy to feel insignificant. You know, there's a big difference if you're in a classroom of six or a classroom of 600. Classroom of 600, you go, I can skip class. No one cares. No one pays attention. Whether or not I'm there to make a comment doesn't matter. Well, what if you're in an audience of 7 billion? Do you think God cares? The Bible says, oh, yeah. It says that God knit you together in your mother's womb. It says when you say a word, he knows exactly what word it's going to be before you've even formed it and it's come out of your mouth. It says all the days ordained for you were written. Before one of them came to be. God is intimately concerned and involved in every detail of our life. And that's an important starting place when it comes to connecting. Because if you grew up in a home where you were disconnected with your parents... You felt like you could never do enough to make them happy. Or they were abusive. Or weren't there at all. It can be very hard to imagine that God cares that much about you. Yet the Bible goes to great lengths to say, oh yeah, he does. If seven billion people prayed all at the same time, God can keep every word straight. 
He's connected. It's what his goal is. It's, it's what he created you for, not to function on your own. He says, no, 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 I, I want to have the kind of relationship with you that is real as any friendship you've ever had in your life. And God says, I'm not going to stop reaching out to you because I'm not going to give up my hope of having that kind of a connection with you. God loves you that much. You say, well, so then what's the problem? What do we do? Well, are you bold enough to pray what David prayed? He closes Psalm 139 in verse 23. He says one of the scariest prayers in the scriptures. And he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Are you courageous enough to pray that prayer? Well, it depends on how badly you want to be connected. If you don't want to be connected to God, you will run from that prayer. That's a scary prayer. That's up there with God, help me to be humble. We never say, God, humble me. We say, God, help me to be humble. And what we're hoping is this magic humility feeling just gets transported. You know, Psalm 139 has that level of prayer. It cuts through the clouds. It gets there quick. The fast angels hear that one and they answer. But if you're serious about connecting with God... You say, God, here's my life. Here's my heart. Here's my brain. You know what I worry about. You know what I struggle with. And I'm just going to open up my life. And God, you do whatever you need to do. I want to be connected. You ever wanted a relationship so badly that you would do anything? He said, it doesn't matter. Yo, maybe it's with a parent. Maybe it's with a child. Maybe it's with your spouse. And you're like, it's broken. I know it. I don't feel close. But I would do anything. Will you do anything with God? Will you really say, God, you have free reign? To weed out everything that's ugly. Because fact of the matter is, being connected with God, his desire to be connected is unconditional. But the actual connection itself is conditional. Go to Psalm 15. We do not have the right or the ability to live in whatever way we want and have the connection with God function. You know, growing up as a kid, I thought church was boring. You know why? Because first of all, I thought church was supposed to entertain me. 
No, no, no. See, worship is what we're doing for God. This isn't like we come to church and then God like radiates on me. We're here for what we give him. But secondly, it was because I would live however I wanted to live during the week. And then Sunday morning, I was hoping for some monumental time. And I'd leave unmoved going, well, I was fairly uneventful. At least lunch will be good. Because we always had good family lunch on Sunday afternoon. But look at what he says in Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath when it hurts, who lends his money without usury, that's like excessive interest, and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. He says, you want to be connected with God? He says, okay, who? What do you got to do? He said, well, you got to do what's right. You got to speak what's right. You got to stand for what's right. You got to treat people right. And you got to have integrity and commitment. That means we can't just live however we want and then Sunday morning hope for some big life-changing time that's, you know, like, you know, jolt cola and going to last us through the week. Sunday is not supposed to be rock star or monster or Red Bull or anything else. Sunday morning should be what all the rest of the week is. So there's an expectation. First John 5, 3, you can write that reference down. It says, this is love for God to obey his commands. You say, oh, God knows that I love him. Oh, I love God so much. We're, we're like this. Well, do you obey his word? Well, you know, God knows that I love him. No, God knows that you don't love him if you don't obey his word. And if you don't know what his word says, you're not obeying it. Unless you're prideful enough to think that your version of a moral life is exactly what the creator of the universe would come up with. Don't go there. Because he speaks what's right. Say, well, you know, sometimes I just, you know, let the words fly. God says that there's no slander on the tongue, casts no slur on his fellow man, and speaks the truth from his heart. That means the words that come out of our mouth affect our level of connection with the creator of the universe. Say, why is that? Well, if I had you right now 
make a list of the three most hurtful things ever said to you. I would venture a guess that even if it's been 50 years, you can remember what some of the things were. Words are that powerful. Now, Satan will throw out there the, oh, you know, I didn't really mean what I said. No, the Bible says that you only say it if it was in your heart in the first place. There's no such thing as, oh, well, I said it, but that's not what I meant. That's not what was in my heart. No, that's exactly what was in your heart. And if you got pushed enough, you know, when I study the Bible with people, I like to kind of pick fights a little bit. And righteous fights. But you know why? It's because when people are calm, cool, and collected, they tell you what they're supposed to tell you. And you get them upset, and then they tell you what's on the inside. And that's what I want to hear. What's really in there? So you find a sore spot, and then you just kind of touch it a few times. That's some counseling principles right there. Because when you're mad and stuff comes out, that's what's really in there. We don't cloak it then. It says, you stand for what's right. Look at verse 4. Who despises a vile man. Aren't, aren't we supposed to not judge? I mean, that's what the world says, right? Truth is relative. How could we despise somebody else who has their own version of truth? Well, you know, we had a whole sermon on that topic, so hopefully you still don't think that way. But just in case you need a booster shot, you realize what he's saying there in Psalm 15? That your willingness to say a sinful person is despicable is part of connecting to God. Now, that doesn't mean you don't love them. See, that's the difference. As Christians, we need to love everybody. But that doesn't mean we agree with the behavior or are unwilling to say that it's sinful and wrong. But if we want to be connected with God, we've got to be able to call uh, stuff that's vile, vile. No matter what the world says about it. And then we can't be flaky. This is keeps his oath even when it hurts. Are you a man or woman of integrity? When you give somebody your word, is that, I mean, is that it? Is it ironclad? If you say, I will be there at 8, are you there at 8? Are you there before 8? Or do you go, well, I know I told you 8, but, you know, I'll get there whenever, 8.15, 8.30, you'll be fine. That's not integrity. Do you tell your boss, I will have this done by 3 o'clock? Nah, I don't want to do it by 3. 
Your kids will tell you whether or not you have integrity. That's why never, ever, in the heat of the moment, tell a kid, oh, if you do this, we can get candy after that. Because it don't matter. Like, if you want to test your kid's memory, tell them six months from today, I will take you to Toys R Us, and I'll buy you a gift for 50 bucks. I don't care what age of kid they are. They will figure out a way to remember six months from now. And you go, they can't remember the, the two things I told them to do. Go clean your room and do this. They can't remember. They can. They have the ability. Now, the thing about integrity is integrity is only really tested when it hurts. You ever made a commitment and then something happens, so the commitment you made all of a sudden has become way more difficult than what you thought it was going to be. What's your first thought? It doesn't matter. I gave my word, and I'm going to follow through. Or do you try and back out? You know, marriage is that way. It's so easy to stand there. When you're in front of the bride of your dreams and say, I will do whatever you ask. I will lay down my life for you. It's so easy to say that right before the honeymoon begins. Easy. You know what? Your wedding vows are not tested on the honeymoon. It's a year after and five years after and ten years after and twenty years after. That's where integrity is tested. So if you are a flaky person, you will not get close to God. Because connection with God requires integrity. Kelly read that verse in Luke 9, 23. You've got to deny yourself. There's no easy way to deny yourself. It's saying that this is the list of those who can dwell in the sanctuary. Say, are you willing to go after those things? Are you willing to do what is right? Are you willing to speak what is right? Stand for what is right? And have integrity in your commitment. For everybody who's a Christian... You made a vow. You said Jesus is Lord before you got baptized. And if you become flaky in your lordship, you will be distant with God. Your relationship with God will be stale and boring. Church will be boring. The Bible will be boring. And you know why? It's a lack of integrity. It says this is what we must do. Are we willing to go after these things? Well, if we're desperate to connect with God, we will. One final verse on this. Go to Psalm 115. Psalm 115. Starting in verse 2. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. 
He does whatever pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold, made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but they cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. Yeah, you ever read those passages in the Old Testament and go, man, I, I can't believe those people. They, I mean, they would bow down to like a golden cow. Like, who would do that? Why, do you think we're any more sophisticated if we bow down to dollars? You think they'd look at us and go, oh, man, we should have thought of that. A cow is so dumb compared to bowing down to a piece of paper. Wow, we really were stupid. The Bible says idolatry will block a connection with God. Do you have any untouchable areas in your life? See, that's how you know if it's an idol. The person who brought you out today said, hey, you know, let's talk about your life. If there's an area that just came into your mind that you go, not this. That's an idol. Or I will change anything except this. That's an idol. I will give up anything except this. That's an idol. Our spouse can be an idol. Our kids can be idols. Free parenting lesson. You want to mess up with your kids? Put them on the throne of your universe. You will mess yourself up and you will mess them up forever. Because what you're teaching them is the world revolves around them. And they're going to be bitterly disappointed when they figure out it doesn't. You want to help your kids to function well in society? Put God on the throne. They'll do a whole lot better. It says those who make them will be like them. Well, what's that mean? Well, remember, he just went through the list. They got, they got eyes, but they can't see. Ears, but they can't hear. They got hands, but they can't feel. Feet, but they can't walk. It just numbs you out. You live lifeless. You say, how did I get here? Idolatry. We cannot function as the world does. The world's full of idols. No, the shrine of worship. Is careers, possessions, luxury, comfort. And the Bible says those who make them will be like them. An idol has no life. How badly do you want to be connected with the Father? He made you. He wants so badly to have that relationship with you. Are you willing to give up anything that stands in the way of a relationship with God? If the answer to that is no, 
then you are wasting your time because you'll never get there. Until the answer is yes, I will give up anything. The door to connection is not open. We need to connect with God. Secondly, we need to treat people with love if we want to connect with people. Go to 1 John 4. First John chapter 4, verse 19 through 21. says, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he's given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You know, what's amazing is the two points of connection we're talking about today loving people and loving God, are are intimately related. We just spent a whole lot of time talking about connecting with God. But the final way to connect with God is by connecting with people. The Bible says it's impossible to say, I love God, if you don't love people. You know, God is not offensive to us because he's perfect. But loving people is a lot tougher because they're the sinners. And yet, you know, when you read in the Bible, the most righteous men and women of society, when they came into the presence of God, you know what was the most overwhelming? It wasn't being around sinners. It was being in the presence of God. Loving God and loving people are connected. You say, how do we connect? Well, Proverbs gives us some good practicals. One of them Kevin alluded to. Uh, Go over to Proverbs chapter 11. Verse 25. A generous man will prosper... He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. How do you connect? Be a refresher. What's other words for that? Be a giver, not a taker. Invest in others. Lay down your life. Serve. Be hospitable. You see, it's talking about generosity. It's talking about uh, giving and meeting needs. If you're doing something just so you get something in return, that's not what this verse is talking about. See, when you refresh others, you're doing it for their benefit. If you serve somebody because you want something in return, really, it's for your benefit. And you're not going to get any refreshment out of that. Say, are you a giver? Look at your last week. Do you serve a lot? I'm not talking about have you ever served, because every single one of us can, you know, we go back six months or six years and go, yes, on this day, I served quite selflessly. You know, it was Hope Day, Carousel Ranch. I put in my few hours there. Yes, I'm a refresher of men. No, is that 
is it an ongoing pattern with the people that know you best say you're a giver or a taker? Do you emote energy? Or do you suck people dry? You know, Christians shouldn't be emotional black holes. We should give. You say, well, I think I'm this way. Ask the people that know you best. I say, come on, am, am I a giver? Am I a refresher? Ask. Be willing to ask. You want to be a good friend? Or you want to have good friends? Be a good friend. Look at Proverbs 12, verse 18. It says, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Say, be a healer. Say, how do you do that? Through your words. Do your words minister to people? Say, you want to connect with people? Impart wisdom to them. Teach them. Encourage them. Tutor them. You know, Uncha, I would feel so refreshed if I knew how to make that hot sauce. I keep trying every year. Ask your roommates. Are you a healer? Are you a healer or a piercer? Yeah, you want to connect with people? Be one that they go, man, I just love being around that person because they, they build me up. I learn things. They encourage me. They help me with difficult situations. Be a healer. You don't have to know everything to impart wisdom. Give wisdom in, in, in the ways you know. Like people say, well, I don't know enough to study the Bible with somebody. Go, well, how much are you supposed to know before you study the Bible with people? You go, well, I just don't know how to answer every question that they may ask. Guess what? Neither do I. I've been in the ministry for over two decades. So if that's a condition, then all of us are failing. God's the only one that can answer every question that everyone ever asks. Teach what you know. You see, when you're, when you're a giver... Of encouraging words, you connect. People want to be around you. Here's another one, Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now, lock in on these words. At all times. And then the word adversity comes in. You want to connect with people? Love them at their most difficult moments. And more sacrifice is required, but more connection is accomplished. You know, sometimes we want to have close friendships, but we don't want to really 
you have to be inconvenienced to love them. You know, if we got time in our schedule and that need bites us in the butt, we'll perk up and we'll do something about it. And then we want deep, meaningful friendships from that. No, you know where true connection comes? Is when somebody loves you at your absolute worst moments. Yo, last night I got a phone call at 345. It was my son. Hey, Dad, can you unlock the front door? Sure. He'd gone down to Northridge to visit his brother. He's in town for the weekend. I was like, oh, that, you know, that's awesome. My, my sons are connecting. And we forgot that, you know, we had somebody coming home later, so we locked him out. But what if I would have said, sorry, dude, 345. No unlocky of the door for you. Try the Fords. No, no, no. But we're far too sophisticated for that, right? So we go, well, um, well, if you can't find anyone else, call me back. Like, imagine what if I would have told that to Michael. You know, why don't you call Hash Brown? Your mom. Maybe the Fords have a key for our house. You could drive over to the Felicis. I think they have a key. You know, and if not, call me back. I'll get up and let you in. It is never convenient to love. Do you want to be connected? Love people at their absolute worst moments. That's how you make a friend. You say, why, why are the two connected? Well, you know, loving people and loving God. Because God created all of us. And he takes it personally how we treat his creation. You know, if somebody was rude to my two sons... And then came up and was like, hey, Ron, how's it going? You're like, dude, like, I don't like you. If you're going to treat my kids that way, then I don't want to be around you. You know, parent, you take it personally how people treat your kids. Somebody can be a total stranger, but they do something nice for my kids. I think, man, you must be pretty cool because you loved up on my kids. I like you. I don't even know you. But you need anything, I'm here for you. Why? Because you did something nice. You know, that's how God feels. You do something nice for my creation, God's like, I like you. You treat his creation bad, he goes, nah, not so much. So we're created to be connected. Jesus prayed for you in John 17. He prayed that you would be brought to complete unity with the Father, with Him, and with everyone who would become a believer. Say, so what will His prayer accomplish this morning? None of us are going to walk out of here lone rangers. God has a plan. He has a desire. He's 
intimately concerned for you. Will you walk with him? God created us to function connected in a strong, healthy way with people in our life. Will we do our part? Christian life is meant to be lived out, connected to God and people. We have a decision to make. What decision will you make? It's a mandate. In Malachi 4, God said, I want to turn the hearts of the parents to the kids and the kids to the parents. Relationships in our world today are suffering in huge ways. But God knows what's needed. It's a strong connection. I pray that you will install this app in your life. Satan will fight against it. But God will do his part if we do ours. Let's be connected to God. Let's be connected in our relationships. Amen. Let's stand as we close in a song.